Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast by asweatlife.com on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. I'm Gina Anderson Cohen, CEO and founder of A Sweat Life, and with me today is Liz Lefkowski. Liz, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And Liz, you've accomplished a lot, um, so I would love for you to introduce yourself so I don't miss anything. Who are you and what are you doing here today? So I was born and raised in Chicago and went to the University of Wisconsin and came back to Chicago and was doing all non-for-profit work. I worked for the city of Chicago in an arts program called Gallery 37. I worked redeveloping the near south side, ran the Printers Row Book Fair, and along the way had children and things and ended up um, leaving the city and moving to the suburbs. And I had to give up my title when I was working for the city, unfortunately, because you had to live downtown. And so I decided I needed to continue doing the work I was doing. And so I set up a foundation and started doing it on my own. Um, we started small about 15 years ago and just been plugging away ever since doing all kinds of different things, both in education, human rights and medical research. And one of the things that's come out of the Lefkowski Family Fund or Family Foundation, I'm so sorry, uh, most recently is Bing. Um, Bing is a part of the word giving. Uh, can you talk through what Bing is? It's so remarkable. Thank you. Yes. So uh, about five years ago, we came up with this idea of celebrating teens. Originally, I wanted to do like a big red carpet celebration like the Emmy Awards for amazing teenagers, um, thinking that, you know, teenagers kind of get a bad rap. And there are so many extraordinary teenagers in the city and around the country doing great things. And not because someone tells them to, just because they're inspired to do great things, because they're great. So we came up with this idea as Ving is in giving, loving, receiving, like you said. And we set out to say to any teenager, 14 to 18, in the United States, if you had $1,000, who would you give it to and why? And that was how we started, because what I realized is, I run a traditional foundation and I can write checks to great organizations, but when you want to really help people one-on-one, -on -one, it's really hard because you get letters of people telling you a story, but how do you know if it's true, right? So we sort of said to all these teenagers, you be the eyes and ears and you tell us who do you know in your community who is doing all the right things and has hit a, hit a speed bump in life and could use a thousand dollars and that's how we set out to do it and that's became Bing. And when you were featured on GMA probably two months ago, you'd given 500 of these $1,000 checks out. Um, where are you at now? So what was extraordinary is I would say in the first four or five years, we had done like 300 total and we've done 300 more in just the last few months. Wow. So COVID, we, and our goal is to do as many as we can in this fiscal year because as we both know, there are so many people that could use a thousand dollars. Absolutely. And you, you've gotten so much celebrity support and endorsement too, which is another testament to the remarkable work you're doing. Um, most notably for me anyway, Kristen Bell um, posted about it. So I'm now one degree separated from Kristen Bell, which makes me happy. A hundred percent. And I, you know, the thing that's extraordinary and just like talking to you, you know, Kristen Bell, Kelly Clarkson, um, and a lot of other people that have engaged with us, 
it was literally like 30 seconds. Like, wait a minute. We love what you're doing. I want to tell everyone what you're doing. There was no, like one of the teams that worked with us said to me, like, how do you know Kristen Bell? I'm like, I don't know Kristen Bell. I've never met Kristen Bell. This was not like a favor to me personally. I didn't pay her to do it. It was just like, she immediately was like, this is awesome. And we need to tell people about it. And I think people, um, that's really been the extraordinary response that we're having is people are so excited about the idea and that's what makes it unique. There aren't a lot of groups that allow teenagers to be the philanthropist. And what I connected most with, I could talk about this all day, I won't because we need to get to your goals, but what I connected most with is the element that the teenagers have to be able and willing to physically deliver the check to the recipient, which I think puts such an emphasis on community connection. Was that by design or did that sort of happen on accident? Well, so it was interesting when we started it, it was very much by design because we needed the kids. It was sort of like they're the validation, right? It's because they're saying, oh, this woman I know really could use some help. But if they can't go back to the woman and deliver the check, then how do we know which he really knows the woman or she really knows mm -hmm. the woman, right? So we um, always had it as a face, you know, face to face delivery. If you could record it and the person is, you know, not uncomfortable with that, obviously, please do. And then when COVID hit, we actually said to kids, if you have to do it on Zoom, if you can't stay six feet away, and it's what's been amazing is so many kids go with their mask and then the recipient's like, I need to hug you. And I'm like, don't hug, don't hug. It's really cute to watch, but they can do it on Zoom because of COVID. And so we have used PayPal when we need to, if, um, you know, just for everybody's safety. But the delivery in person is the precious moment that is, you know, it really is precious. And the response is just, you know, there's a lot of tears on both sides. The kids cry, the recipient cries, and I watch every video and I often cry myself. I mean, I'm almost crying just hearing you talk about this. <laughs> so let's jump into the goals. So we save me from tears. Um, talk to me, Liz, what is a big goal that you have set and accomplished in the past and why was it important to you? So something I had set out to do, I've been engaged in education for a long time and we built a curriculum with the University of Chicago for middle schools. And um, we kind of piloted it a few years ago and it was sort of stagnant and it wasn't, it was a complicated situation and I set out that this curriculum needed to be free and available to all middle schools. And so after a lot of wrangling and maneuvering, I figured out a way, and now the curriculum is 100% online and free to middle schools across the country. Um, and so we have a team of four people like pushing out this curriculum that really is changing middle schools' lives. And so that, it was just this, I always say to people, I'm a cockroach and I'm not going away. So I came up with this idea. I knew it was right. I knew it was helpful. Um, and I just kind of kept beating down the door and, you know, not giving up. And I think the not giving up was the part I really learned the hard way and fought the fight. And now it is free to all middle school teachers and counselors in America. So first of all, congratulations. Um, Second of all, talk me through what inspired the curriculum and made you not want to give up. So I've been doing traditional giving and been involved in schools and Chicago Public Schools is a really incredible um, ecosystem of, you know, a little bit of everything. 
And in all of the years that I was involved, what I really realized was a lot of middle schoolers, you know, they don't know all their options and they often have a parent or a caregiver that's working several jobs, busy trying to make sure there's food on the table and a roof overhead. And so we had to kind of go back to school 101. And so what we started talking to these kids about was attendance. Attendance really matters. What is a GPA? How do you figure out your GPA? And what? And so by the time they get to eighth grade, in Chicago Public Schools, there's, a, there's many outstanding high schools and kids can, can go to them, free public schools, but if they don't know about it, how can they go to a better high school, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was what I realized is all kids need the opportunity to go to an outstanding high school. And so we started focusing on high school, like so many kids focus on college, and I said, no, 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 we got to move it back. And eighth graders need to make a great choice where they go to high school. And so that will then give them the opportunity to go to college and career and beyond. And it has been extraordinary. And the number of kids in Chicago public schools that now make a choice to go to a better high school in their same neighborhood, maybe four blocks away, same demographic, but now they have like a 95% chance of graduating from high school. It's amazing. There are so many great high schools with empty seats. And so we built a search engine and we educate the kids to, to empower these teenagers to make a good choice about where they go to high school. What an impact. What an impact you've had. And that's so important too, because I know uh, I never had to go through an application process um, for a high school. I, I lived somewhere in Minnesota where the school is the school that <laughs> you go to. Um, so having never gone through that, um, my parents never had to advocate for me. But if you don't have a parent that knows the process or have, has time for the process, you truly need either to advocate for yourself or have an adult creating a pathway for you. A hundred percent. And so that was why we start the conversation with these kids in sixth grade and we engage the parents and it really is a way for these kids to sort of take charge of their own destiny and give them a chance to say to their parents, you know what? No, it's okay. I know you went to this high school, but this high school four blocks over, which I can, we give them the CTA route and the whole thing. Wow. And so it's like, you know what? It's really like a, co-choice with the child and their caregiver that like this is going to be a good choice. I'm going to go to a better school and I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to go on to college and career and you know have all the opportunity as all the kids in Chicago should have the same opportunity. That's incredible. Have you heard from any of these kids that have gone through it? Are there, are there sort of testimonials? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. We have all kinds of videos and testimonials about the kids and the parents because the parents are so grateful once their kids hit ninth grade and beyond. It's like, oh my gosh, I just didn't know, right? It's just taking a moment to give everyone all the information. And everyone is so busy trying to just make ends meet that, you know, sometimes a lot of the information, you know, slips by. And so this way, and the kids need to understand and take charge. Like, it's really important. Like, I, I need to go to school, right? I need to be there every day. I need to do my best, whatever that is. And I have choices, right? And I can be anything I want when I grow up. And I think that's what's exciting as we talk to these kids starting in sixth grade. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You can be anything, right? They're old enough to start having the conversation, but they're not too old where the sky's the limit, right? Yeah, 
they still believe that there's a chance. Uh, and there is a chance because if they mm -hmm. do good work and they get a good GPA, they can go to an excellent high school without question. And they can get, you know, a scholarship to an excellent college or, you know, whatever, or find a great job right out of high school, whatever their choices are. Oh man, how can listeners get involved in that program? Is there a mentorship element or uh, what can they tell a teacher about it? Yes, it's called Success Bound. So the search engine is highschoolbound.com and the, the curriculum is Success Bound. And there's an email on that website as well. And any school teacher, counselor, principal can connect anywhere in America. And um, there's a whole team of people that will, you know, put them online and teach them. There's, we have a whole team of people that teach teachers how to use the curriculum. Incredible. Um, I want to talk about that all day too. You're so interesting. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> Let's jump ahead to your big goal you've set for the future. Um, talk to me about a goal that you're working on now or have set for the future. Um, and what are you going to do to get there? So Ving has really become my passion. And it really is my goal for today, tomorrow, and next year. And I think it's because there's something about really helping people one-on-one -on -one, um, and helping out people. As I said, you know, it's easy, easier to write a, write a check to an organization, right? And a lot of people do that. And there's a lot of great, generous people. But really helping people one-on-one -on -one is wonderful. But the true magic of Ving and what excites me is we are changing the next generation, right? We are saying to these teenagers, you are the next generation. You are the next generation of givers, of philanthropists. And to me, Ving, my dream is that Ving is just a viral moment in that we're giving kids $1,000 to give. But one of my girlfriends in New York sent me a video of her son jumping out of the car in the rain. There was a gentleman in a, um, I'll send you the picture, sitting in a wheelchair, try, raising money with a tin can outside of, um, like a hot dog stand, pouring rain. And her son jumped out of the car and went and brought this man like a huge golf umbrella oh and gave him the umbrella. And she texted me the picture and she goes, I think this is a thing. And I was like, yes, that's Bing. It really is. I say to kids all the time, like, this is $1,000 to give, but you can Bing every day. Smile behind your mask. Help someone out, you know, with a cup of coffee. Give someone in the rain your umbrella, right? Like, help an elderly person across the street. And to me, now more than ever, like, this is the dream. Like, we just need to be nice to each other. And we're all in this together, right? And so to me, I just want Ving to be a movement and a moment where we all can just do something kind for each other. And that, that, that's my goal. Will I ever get there? I don't know, but I'm working on it. Oh, I love that. It's, it's the movement of Ving becomes synonymous with kindness and empathy. Um, and, and I think what it also brings to light is there tends to be this sort of like the youths <laughs> um, attitude and kids are, kids are incredible. I honestly think they're getting kinder, um, as time goes on. So I, I almost, what I hear from you is almost this desire for Ving to be like Google, <laughs> you know, like the yes. word Google for kindness. Yes. A hundred percent. And you're right. I think I have three of my own teenagers and I have to tell you, 
I actually think this generation, they are, first of all, when you talk about equality and non-bias, they, they don't, they really are so much better than my generation. And they also are so much smarter. They're so much savvier, you know, um, they're, they're, I, to me, the sky's the limit. And I have such hope for what the future looks like, because if it was up to these kids, it's like, you know, they'll fix it all, right? The environment, mm -hmm. inequality, racism, they're like, you know, they, they are on it in a way that's, you know, they're, they're just so much smarter than we were, I think. I, I mean, they have to be, they have to be. They're, they're raised in a time when all information is available and they have to make choices to be kind every single day. Um, Cause it's easy to be unkind when you hide, hide behind devices. That's right. Especially now it's stressful. People are stressed out. Mm -hmm. And so it's really easy to take it out on each other right at a time when I think we need to do the opposite. And so that's where Ving for me is it's really talking to teenagers and saying, and also don't be selfish, right? Like it's not about you. It can't be your mom or your cousin. It's not someone in your family. So for one moment, I'm saying to these kids, think about somebody outside your family that's really just doing the best they can and could use a boost. And that has been the gift for sure. And, and to touch back on that, too, on the requirements. Um, when teenagers submit um, their VING request, they, there are a couple of stipulations, right? They have to be 14 to 18, and it has to be non-family, um, the person they're requesting for. They have to be able to physically deliver the check. Um, is, there, is there anything else you look for in these nominations? No, they, they just send us a quick video, 60 to 90 seconds, and just tell us who it is and why. Um, I guess I would say probably 70% of the videos we receive, we approve. It really is just give us, give us a little bit of the why, right? Mm -hmm. um, who it is and, and why you think they could use the $1,000. And the stories have been mind-blowing. I mean, bus drivers, mail delivery people, um, you know, people that used to be coaches, that, like people that run restaurants, people that work in restaurants. These kids are so thoughtful when they're thinking about people in their community that can use a boost right now, right? It's these kids have been so clever. And sometimes it's someone they know that they had gone to school with that is trying to, you know, their car broke down. I mean, there's all kinds of situations where a thousand dollars can really be useful. It's it's funny because as you were talking about that, I couldn't fight um, the song that started playing in my head, which was um, the Mr. Rogers song. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It is that. It is. And it is because he has such that message of like, we have to take care of each other. Right. Yes. And that's, that I think is the long lasting gift of Ving is as much as these people that are receiving the money need it today. To me, the real gift is the teenagers lifelong, right? It's the, they will remember forever their time. It's the quotes we get from the kids that really is all the power, right? The recipients are so grateful and so appreciative, but the teenagers are like, wait a second, you're going to give me a thousand dollars to give to someone like, I could use a thousand dollars, but I'm going to give it to somebody else. Like that's what's so beautiful. And these kids will remember 10 years, 20 years from now. And hopefully when they have a chance, they'll help somebody else out, right? They'll do it again. Yeah, they get the experience of what it feels like to give maybe before they have means. And that's the gift.
That's the mm-hmm. true gift of Bing is giving these teenagers that feeling and that pride of doing something so wonderful for someone and realizing how good it feels to do something for somebody else other than yourself. That's wonderful. Um, And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that you, your family um, experiences that feeling a lot (laughs) because you are very generous with your foundation. You've signed the giving pledge, um, which very few people in this world either have the opportunity to do or, or just do. Um, So philanthropy is a part of your DNA, um, also from, from childhood. I I did my research. Um, so I, I'd love to hear sort of how that identity has grown with you from, from childhood to Ving. Yeah. So as you mentioned, um, when I was young, my older sister died of a brain tumor and I was five and my parents, um, extraordinarily in a very difficult time, obviously, had created something called the American Brain Tumor Association in my grandmother's basement. There was literally a nurse with an 800 number and a rotary phone for most of your listeners who have no idea what that would be. But there was a rotary phone and an 800 number because there was no Google and there was no sharing of information then. And so a child with pediatric cancer was very unusual at this in the 70s. It wasn't, um, and there wasn't the information and there weren't all these children's hospitals doing all of this great work. So my mother started raising money and awareness, trying to share information when my sister got sick. So it really is like all I've ever known from the time I was very young was, you know, being involved. And so um, I went to the University of Wisconsin and studied sociology and urban planning. I thought I was going to redesign cities and ended up going into non-for-profit. And I've only always done non-for-profit work. And I always say my husband makes the money and I give it all away which is, and I, you know, it's hard to give money away well. I know it seems like, you know, I used to do the fundraising um, when I worked for the city and the Near South Planning Board, but it's interesting to do philanthropy well is actually really hard, right? Like it's easy to write a check to lots of great organizations, but to make extraordinary impact and really change lives, it takes time and effort, you know? And so I love what I do. I feel so lucky and blessed to be able to do what I do. Um, and I care greatly about doing it well. Do you think, so now you have children and you're passing this legacy on to them. Are they as philanthropic as you are? You know, so it's been really interesting. My oldest is 21. And so we're starting to have those conversations. My middle child is the most, she plans to save the world. I mean, you know, she is worried that there's not clean water in Africa. She's studying public health. She wants to be an epidemiologist. She's like all in. Um, And it's interesting because they all will be involved in the foundation at a certain age. But I see it in the things and the the people that they are it's like little quiet things that I see them do that really right now gives me the greatest hope because absolutely they will be part of the foundation and they will be able to give a lot of money away when the time comes. But what's really interesting is it's the little acts of kindness they do now as human beings to me, that gives me the, you know, the greatest hope. Do you have an example of one of those? 
Well, the one is, I mentioned my daughter was very worried about freshwater in Africa. And we were in, um, it was interesting. So we were in Cambodia, not in Africa. We were actually in Cambodia and everyone travels on bicycles. It really is um, the major use of transportation. And so when we came home, she, the middle one, was very worried that not everyone has a bicycle. So we found an organization in Cambodia where we were and we bought a thousand bicycles. Oh my gosh. Because we realized it was like, and those are the things, and the other thing we've done when we've traveled, which has also been extraordinary with all three of my kids from the time they were little, um, we love to travel and we love for our, I think it's really important for all of us to, whether it's on video or in person or whatever it is you can do, you, you need to see that the whole world isn't like where you live, right? Wherever you live, you know, people are living very differently, whether it's in rural upstate New York or in Cambodia or it, right. It doesn't matter where you live, but there are very different places all over the world. And so what we've done when we travel is we find very small communities. There was a community along the river, very, very poor, um, you know, children weren't in school and we gave, gave each of the kids money. And they went and found mothers. You had to give it to the mothers because you know that the money will go to good use. And they scoured the neighborhood for a few hours, each of them, and found mothers and gave them each $100 bills. That's a thing. That was, that's, that was where Bing started. I mean, really? And these people that spoke no English and our tour guide, you know, had to go and translate because they were like, I don't know what this is. And he was like, 100 US dollars. They were like, that's more money than we make in a year. It can't be a hundred U.S. dollars. And he's like, no, no, no. It's a hundred U.S. dollars, you know, from this eight-year-old. This eight-year-old oh is giving it to this mother, you know, go take care of your family, be well. So we're, we're, we're working hard to make sure that they are good citizens. They need to be good citizens without question. Yeah. And they, and now they have experience. And so that's so interesting that that's, the, the founder story of Vang, that, that moment of seeing your kids experience that joy of giving, um, how did that change you? Well, first of all, when you see the reaction from the mothers and the, you know, and also I think watching my children experience that joy, it, it, I think if you, what's so interesting is when we come back from these trips, it's the thing they remember. It doesn't matter that they were at the Taj Mahal or it doesn't matter that they rode an elephant or it doesn't matter, you know, that they saw the Great Wall of China. They always remember those little experiences one-on-one. -on -one. All three of my children, if you ask them about trips they've been on in their lifetime, they remember the little girl they met on the street that they played, you know, kickball with and they gave money to go buy a soccer ball or my son played basketball in Bhutan with some monks. And so it was unbelievable. And um, afterwards, like we went and bought the, you know, a bunch of basketballs for them because it was like a town over where you had to go get the basketballs. And, you know, it's, those are the things they remember, really 100%. And I think for me too, I think when I really look back, that will be the journey, right? It's the people you've interacted with along the journey that make it what it is. And I think that's the lesson is you can do that in your own backyard. You don't have to get on an airplane and travel halfway around the world. There are people that need us in our own neighborhood around the corner, especially today more than ever. Yep. 
firefighter is a person in your neighborhood. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> to quote Fred Rogers. Oh man, Liz, you are truly remarkable. I could talk to you all day. Um, I'll ask you one more, one more question. I know I've asked you a lot more than just two questions, but I'm, we've talked about all of this wonderfulness that comes with giving and, um, and philanthropy. Let's talk about self-care quickly, uh, before we move on. What is a tip that you would give to listeners to take care of yourself, um, in this weird world we're living in to stay productive, um, and sane? So I have two really good tips. I think I learned a few years ago. Um, I think it's okay to let yourself take a break, right? Like I think it's so important to honor yourself and whether that means a nap, go to bed early one night, um, you know, whatever it is, like whatever you're feeling is okay. I think that was a really good lesson I learned years ago where it's like, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling sad, whatever it is, like allow yourself to feel that it is okay. And the other thing I came across um, a few months ago when I too was home, you know, figuring out what to do with my time. Um, I took a free class on Coursera. It was a happiness class. And it's this Yale professor, right? And she put the class online for free. So anyone can take the class. There are no fees. And it is a happiness class. And it really is about like journaling and sort of taking time to think about like what makes you happy. And I think that that was the gift. And I just said that to my mother the other day. And I was like, she's like, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, to be still isolating. And, and so I said, you know what, mom, there's all these great classes on Coursera and go take a free class, like learn a language. But I really found this happiness class really settling and a really good escape from my day. Um, I also think it's okay to climb in bed and watch reality TV. I agree with both those tips. I actually signed up for that same Yale course, but then we had to take our entire business completely digital. <laughs> so, uh, so I didn't end up doing any of it, but this actually gave me, I think, the the nudge, the nudge in the butt I needed to move forward with that. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes so that all of our listeners can um, can benefit from that as well. But what a delight it was speaking to you today, Liz. Like what a remarkable human being you are. Thank you for spending all of this time with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. 